Live from the mother of all messes, this is Austin Danger Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers podcast on the internet. I'm Kev, and as always, I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire, Mackenzie Wilkes. Mackenzie, hello. Hello. Every week we spin a wheel. We spin it <laughs> legitimately. I just, again, I, I'm confounded. I just don't understand what you want from us. We spin the wheel and we pick a random movie that is connected in some way to the Austin Powers trilogy. In some way. In some way. This week, it is the biggest way possible as Mike Myers makes his return to Austin Danger Podcast. You know, Mike doesn't have that huge of a filmography. And between, we've done all the Austins, we've done Wayne's World, we've done uh, So I Married an Axe Murder, and now we're doing Canada right. Hat. We are like, outside of the Shreks, we have done most of Mike Myers' like major filmography at this point. You know, we had a friend of the show tell me that The Love Guru is their most anticipated episode, which is kind of when things slam into a canyon. <laughs> it's not the cat in the hat. <laughs> But tonight, let's talk about one of those movies that never quite happened for Mike Myers. We're going to begin our story tonight in 1998. Mike Myers is, uh, signs on to co-produce with Imagine, who produced this film. Stay mm. with me. An adaption of his SNL sketch, Sprockets, where he would play the character of Dieter. Um, a really weird choice to make a movie, for the record. And he never quite cracked it. And lawsuit after lawsuit with Universal Pictures, who were going to make this their big summer 2001 movie. Uh, which instead was Jurassic Park 3, which is just as weird as Sprockets. But anyway, lawsuit after lawsuit comes. And then Mike Myers is in, in the settlement. It's been insinuated that the settlement from the Sprockets fallout led to our movie this week. In a stunning follow-up to Ron Howard's psychological horror film, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. My favorite Ron Howard film. <laughs> oh, the bar is so high. Bo Welch, a production designer who was probably in the hallway at Imagine when this film was greenlit, brought on <laughs> to direct his first feature, Mike Myers, The Cat in the Hat. Hot off, Ron Howard's The Grinch, psychological horror film. I noticed his only film. Yeah, it, funny, how, <laughs> funny how that happens. Uh, shot by the legendary cinematographer Emmanuel Lubeski, 2003's The Cat in the Hat is the movie we're discussing at the bottom of the hour. But uh, before we do that, Every week we like to tell you what we've been watching lately that kind of falls outside the scope of the show. Yes. And you and I watched a movie this past Monday, President's Day. We celebrated the Founding Fathers. <laughs> By celebrating the Patriots. That's right, the Patriots. With 80 for Brady, story of four friends living the dream. As the prophecy foretold, as Slim said <laughs> in, in my... Uh, Instagram comments. I did see 80 for Brady. I took myself to the movie theaters, baby. Sat in the back row by myself, some popcorn, some M&Ms, poured those M&Ms in into that popcorn. Huh. It was great. Yeah, I like to have the chocolate and the salty at the same time. Uh, it was great. And uh, yeah, I gave it five stars because y'all all know me <laughs> at this point. If you if you've or listened to this podcast and you expected me to give it less than that, then like, I don't know who you are. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you all know how I am. It's not a five-star movie, but I was so delighted. Like, it's been a long time since a movie has just made me so happy without anything weird attached to it. Like, there was no, like, I had to second-guess myself. There was no, 
baggage. It was just there solely to make people smile. And I was truly like from the instant the movie began and that cute first scene was happening with all the ladies, I, the biggest smile across my face and it did not go away the entire time. I did cry multiple times (laughs) during 80 for Brady. And I kind of, I feel like if you make me cry once you're a five-star movie. So truly like, and and it's less that like, it's this huge emotional thing. Like there's obviously an emotional climax near the end, but I was really moved by the backstory of the ladies. I don't want to get into it too much, but I think there's a kind of emotional backstory for why the women began watching football together. That, that made me feel something. And you can just tell these actresses love each other so much. And I think so much of that is baked into the relationships of the characters. And uh, yeah, I was just like, I've never, I have not been that delighted by a movie in a really, really long time. I loved 80 for Brady. What did you watch this week? Other than 80 for Brady. And Angela Bassett doing the thing. I think we'll 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 get to Angela Bassett doing the thing in Austin news, <laughs> or I love gold news, right? Uh, but I went to the Metrograph on Sunday and I finally saw Memoria, mm. film from the from the director of Uncle Bunmi, who can recall his past lives, a man whose name I will respect and and not try to pronounce, mm-hmm. and Tilda Swinton in the main role. Uh, let me tell you, <laughs> this is a movie about falling asleep. And as a result, some shots last 15 fucking minutes long. There is a shot in this film. The movie is about Tilda Swinton can't sleep in the middle of the night. She hears a thumping noise. Only she can hear. And then she has to investigate the source of the noise and then has a very intense, emotionally shared experience um, that may have been a dream. Hmm. There's a shot of a guy sleeping on the grass with his eyes open for it could have been an hour. That is wild. The movie is two hours and 16 minutes long, but might as well be a day and a half long. For many people, it's like a torture device. I I want to call it a skinnamarink, mm. but I haven't seen skinnamarink to make that call. You gave it five stars, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I'll never <laughs> watch it again, but that was a fucked up experience. It's unlike any experience I've had at the movies. I still think that's cool. Like, Love it or hate it, it's a unique experience that not many people yeah. go out to have. I think that's cool. Yeah. It's like, it was like the 35 millimeter print. So it was like really beaten up mm-hmm. because they didn't print many of those to start. And they had like a tour going around where that was the one place you could watch it. So I imagined a print of this movie to be pretty beaten up and it delivered. So that was a cool element of it along with the dream state of it. Yeah. But it's like this one unique singular copy of this movie about such weird abstract things. I love it. And then it it goes a place that you never expect. So it shares that with Moonfall. Mm. Um, Impossible to recommend, but I did (laughs) want to bring it up because I did see it. Um, Besides that and Vanilla Sky on 35 millimeter, which was very clean, nicely handled print felt Mm. new, honestly. Um, The movie's crazy and Tom Cruise is in it. So we'll talk about it one day. So, I just wanted to say on air, I saw Vanilla Sky and it was amazing. It's another five-star movie. I want to watch it. You should watch it. It's fucking wild. It's, it's Cameron Crowe, right? That's right. Who we famously love, who did Jerry Maguire as well, right? That's right. This is the reunion. One day, oh, man, we got we to gotta see if we bought a zoo links. <laughs> we <gotta laughs> did do Cameron Crowe do that? Oh, hell yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's pretty much it, man. <laughs> we have a very busy show. Speaking of things Cameron Crowe may or may not have done. <laughs> I, 
don't know if that's a good transition. <laughs> What does it all mean, Basil? I want to give a shout out to our buddy Brandon. Yes, who, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Stumbled upon this amazing book of like Lego TV and movie cars. And there's a whole page. First of all, the car is on the cover. And then there's a whole page of this very detailed uh, Shaguar. Love it. Absolutely love it. The copy, I'm going to read some of this copy. <laughs> Please do. An action hero needs an action car, and Powers gets his in the form of the Shaguar, a 1961 Jaguar E-Type emblazoned with the Union Jack across the bodywork. Jaguars have a reputation for being driven by, quote, ladies' men, and Myers <gasps> plays on this in most of his characterization. Interestingly, this power position is exchanged in the video clip for the Madonna song Beautiful Stranger, which was featured <gasps> in the 1999 film The Spy Who Shagged Me absolutely hilarious i can't believe that like in the kids lego car book you're gonna be like hey here's an interesting time the sexual dynamic was reversed (laughs) what i don't know why you talking about that just now made me want to watch austin powers is that weird (laughs) that's what we do i don't know if you realize (laughs) that but that's like a third of the purpose of the show literally like thinking about what we're about to talk about with Mike's performance and then hearing you talk about that I just had a pang in my soul where my brain said man I wish I was watching Austin Powers right now like I kind of miss Austin Powers like as a character is Austin Danger podcast a mistake (laughs) my brain is so rotted already and now it has Austin Powers seeping in next week next week cat in the hat podcast the cat in the podcast cat in the podcast the podcast in the hat Kevin come on Jesus. The, the pod cat and the pod hat, you know? Following up from our story last week on the death of Burt Bacharach, the director of the Austin Powers trilogy, Jay Roach, spoke last week. He's printed in the LA Times talking about Burt Bacharach. On the last night of filming, Burt Bacharach performed What the World Needs Now is Love over and over, sitting at a piano on top of a double decker bus going up and down the Vegas Strip while Mike and Elizabeth danced. The early takes were great, but I couldn't bring myself to say, cut, move on. It was just too sublime. We only stopped when the sun went up. How how romantic is that? And then they all kissed him. I wish they would release the tapes of just of just like Bert playing and them all listening and having a good time to it. Jay Roach continues, because Bert's songs were so essentially aligned with Austin's own personal mantras, Bert had to be a part of every film. Mike just kept writing great moments for him and he kept showing up. We were lucky to collaborate with the maestro. I feel like that says a lot to Burt Bacharach's character. You know what I mean? That he continued to show up in these silly movies and seemed to be such a great, just like playing along with it, great sport. And like, I think that just says a lot to his character and that he just seems like he was a really great guy. And most of all, he was with it. He understood it. Mm-hmm. He knew that it wasn't making fun. Yeah. He knew that it, making Austin Powers... Is, is an act of love. It's full It's full of heart, just like his music. Which is a lovely thing. Now, now we're talking about acts of love. <laughs> oh, God. But now, we will present to you a deep analysis of an act of hate. <sighs> wow. wow. In, 2000, in 2000, Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, they were producing it and there was trouble. The story really wasn't working because there's only about 25 minutes of story and the movie's two hours long. Hmm. So these guys came in 
Alec Berg, David Mandel, and Jeff Schaefer, and they added the Grinch's extremely horny backstory, if you recall. I do. The film comes out. It's a massive hit. It's a huge success. It's going to be one of the great episodes of this show. Period. Yes. And the thing is, then Universal wanted to make the cat in the hat. Mike Myers was obligated to them for a movie. Mike Myers, what a great follow-up to Jim Carrey, another great 90s comedy guy Mm -hmm. as Cat in the Hat. They let these guys write whatever the fuck they want. They brought in all the adult jokes from The Grinch that didn't quite work, which probably explains things like why the cat says, I steps on a hoe and says, you dirty hoe, randomly, right? Um, Mike Myers, notoriously difficult to work with on set because he is in a giant, horrible cat costume and did and and was not already excited to do this. According to co-star Amy Hill, Myers was difficult to work with on set, refusing to talk to anyone on the production other than his assistants and Bo Welch, and isolating himself from cast and crew during breaks in filming. She also noted there would be retakes of scenes because the director, who was doing it for the first time, Bo Welch was the first time director, would often let Myers decide whether they were good enough or not. Uh-oh. In oh my addition, gosh. Hill stated that Myers had an assistant who held chocolates in a Tupperware, and whenever Myers needed a piece of chocolate, his assistant would come over and bring him one. So this is already a surreal circus nightmare. (laughs) And then you have to make the cat in the hat. Chivo Lubeski points his legendary camera at you, and you have to say lines like, You're fired! Or, again, you dirty hoe. Kev, it seems silly to say it at this point, but are you ready to bring me into the world of the cat in the hat? Joan Walden is a dedicated real estate agent, dating her next door neighbor and raising her two children, Spencer Breslin and the other one, that Dakota Fanning, Dakota Fanning, hooray. One day she leaves the kids with a sitter and goes to the office and is put upon by screaming Sean Hayes to put on a party in her living room or else she will be fired. <laughs> All of a sudden, the cat in the hat shows up. I am still trying to figure out. I watched that scene twice just to make sure. The cat in the hat appears to the children, takes over the house, and destroys it systematically. Yes. It's terrible. There's a magic uh, the, the there's a magic red box, and you can't open the box, and Spencer Breslin opens the box. There's thing one and thing two. They appear. You've We're all adults here. We know what this is. <laughs> I don't have to tell you what this is. We've all read this, right? So the dog runs away. They go into town. The cat in the hat becomes a Rastafarian for no reason. Very weird scene. Um, Alec Baldwin wants to kidnap the dog to bring to Kelly Preston because, oh, wouldn't it be great? We could bring the kid to military school and I could date you more. 
question mark? I don't mark? understand it. I don't understand it. <laughs> anyway, the kids save the dog and clean up the house and all is well at the end of the psychological horror of the cat in the hat. I love that. I mean, it really is like... Oh, also, Sean Hayes also plays the fish. <laughs> yes, he does. It's one of those like... Not much happens because there's not much that happens in the book, right? Because it's a children's book. So they have to have all these weird fluff plots like the dog and Alec Baldwin and all this. Yeah. It's a pretty glacial 82 minutes. And and again, where the Grinch had like horny child Grinch, like look like, like Chucky Grinch. <laughs> Here you have like the real estate industry. <laughs> Somehow. Like, I mean, what is that about? Before we get into deconstructing this cinematic <laughs> masterpiece, um, do you have a history with the cat in the hat? Or I, Dr. Seuss in general, I guess. I love Dr. Seuss. I love Mike Myers. I, I actually love the Jim Carrey Grinch to, to spoil that episode. And it's probably better now than it was then because now it's, it's a, a crazy fun movie. Now I know what camp is, I think is the difference because I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not nine. Right. Um, I didn't see the movie on release. I heard it was so terrible. It looked really terrible. Goldmember, even at the time as a kid, felt like the end of a moment. Mm. <laughs> um, but no, I missed Cat in the Hat in theaters. I got it as a gift. And that's when I watched it. And I was like, this is the pits. This is so horrendous. <laughs> How was this a la- This is an abomination. This is like a God sending a sign to his creation. Terrible. Um, and that's my history with the cat in the hat. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I really watched it. I also didn't. I don't know much about Dr. Seuss. I will say, I I I was not a kid who grew up with Dr. Seuss. Weirdly, like I don't know why. I'm you know yeah. I know he, the books were in my classrooms when I was little, but I never gravitated towards them. And so I actually am very um not in the know about Dr. Seuss books and culture. And, uh, yeah, I think I grew up watching the Grinch because I feel like that eventually became sort of one of those Christmas movies that plays every year on ABC family kind of thing. So I watched the Grinch a lot and I liked it a lot and still think it's, yeah, I think it's a really funny movie as an adult. And I had no, I have no recollection of watching the cat in the hat when I was younger, but about like six months ago, my fiance, for some reason was ravenous to watch the cat in the hat and maybe Rachel can write in and tell me why, but was just like, we have to watch The Cat in the Hat. So I think my first watch technically maybe was literally like last year, <laughs> um, but I was always aware of it. It's a movie you're aware of, especially like us as Mike Myers fans, like you are aware of its existence and, <laughs> and the images of it and like the gifts of it. Like, I'm sorry. We're, I'm, we're I'm stuck on Mike Myers fans. <laughs> Mike I mean, Myers fans are. like That's us. We doing. are. That's this whole anyway. point. And and we'll get into it because I think, honestly, I don't think this movie is as bad as everybody says it is. I think I it is. wrong. I think that it is misguided. I saw that phrase used towards it. I agree. I think it is misguided, but I think it is funny. I think it's an entertaining movie. And oftentimes bad movies don't even have the uh, the, the will to be at least entertaining. Sometimes bad movies are just bad. I think this is an entertaining bad movie in a fun way. And I had a lot of fun watching it today. That's my truth. I had a lot of fucking fun watching the cat in the hat today. You nailed it. You were wrong. Tell me more. Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, it, it's look, 
the the cat in the hat design is never going to be what you want ever. <laughs> no. Right. No live action cat in the hat will look good. Right. That's for sure. But I don't know. I didn't think it was so bad. Maybe I, I did enjoy how bad it was as a kid. Because mm. there is some, like, I mentioned Dirty Ho already, because that's just like, that's just like the word. <laughs> like, what is going on? But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think it's like a fun enough movie. It's It's beyond, it's just, you have to watch it thinking it's like going to be a piece of abrasive art. I, I just, I don't think it is like so horrendously evil as a film um, because like, I, I don't know. I, f- I see a lot of reactions from even our mutuals on Letterboxd that are really, really, but then there is someone um, who I follow, like multiple people who I follow who give this four stars. I was actually shocked to see a lot of my mutuals um, giving this high ranking. Cause I do think that there's a lot of funniness in it. And, I was laughing more often than not. Like 90% of my notes are just lines that like really made me laugh. And there was one part that got me so hard and it's actually right before Dirty Ho. And it's the part when he tops the fits and he's like, all right, what is it? (laughs) All right, Nebbins, time to die. Like (laughs) that line, it's just, it's absurd. Like it's absurd. Like it's, these jokes are not, appropriate these references do not make sense for children but as an adult i find them very funny i like the part where he says he says and i'll read it just straight i'll kill you and i'll make it look like an accident here to tell us about his astounding product for making cupcakes all the way from cheshire england please welcome me hello <laughs> now <laughs> hello i'm so excited do you love making cupcakes but hate all the hard cupcake work? I know I do. <laughs> Don't forget everything you know about making cupcakes and say hello to the amazing cupcake in nature. I'm so excited! <laughs> cupcake of what? Cupcake in nature! This amazing device can instantly make cupcakes out of anything that you have in the kitchen. Wait a minute, did you say anything? Anything. Anything. Yes, anything. 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 I'll get you, and I'll look like a bloody accident. Anything. Wild that that's in a kid's movie, but it's also <laughs> one of the funniest lines in the movie. <laughs> you could tell he had the look of a murderer in his eyes as Mike Myers on this set. I really, I mean, let's let's really get into Mike. I feel like Mike is the movie, right? Much like how Jim Carrey is so much of the Grinch. And I know we're comparing a lot to that, but I feel like most people it's know that sequel, was like... that was the touchstone really at that time for what these adaptations could be. I think Mike is funny in this. I think Mike is kind of doing his greatest hits of like all his best shit through the cat, weirdly. Like I think yeah. I see so much of Austin in the cat like these Austinisms and but then also just a lot of his other kind of big characters like I see some Wayne in there I see some, like I see some Linda like, Richmond in there yes Linda Richmond is like basically like base cat almost with this accent and when he does kind of the more gay affected version of the cat when he's like those drapes are hideous honey like that's definitely Linda like I feel like Mike is almost doing his greatest hits and just mushing them into a Frankenstein that <laughs> monster that is the cat in the hat 
Yeah. I, I mean, they probably just let him do whatever he wanted. This guy, Bo Welch, again, like Mike Myers really has the final cut on this film. And you can <laughs> tell that he's doing it basically to amuse himself at this point. Because mm-hmm. he just has to do it. And we have to get through it. I think he did a good job. I really think Mike's Mike's funny. I think that much like with Carrie, with the Grinch, he brought his own kind of quintessential humor to a role. And it I, it works for me. Like genuinely, like, I don't know. I felt like it was like watching White Chicks again when I was like, I feel like I shouldn't <laughs> like this as much as I do. Uh, because like, but like the humor gets me and it's, I just, I like Mike's humor. We talked about it with Pentaveret. Like I liked Pentaveret way more than I thought. And we liked it in general more than our friends because we like Mike. That's right. We like Mike. What can I say? That's it. That's the episode. Done. (laughs) I know. What more is there to say? I also think the rest of the cast is also great. Like, I'm not saying the movie or the script serves them, but it is a great cast. And that's just Mike Myers himself. They they tried. The Wikipedia tries to cast the many faces of the cat Mm. as different characters. Before before we get to this cast, do we want to run down the roles the cat plays? Sure. All right. Okay. The Wikipedia says that these are uncredited cameos, which is bullshit. It's literally Mike Myers. What? All right. First, of course, is Mr. Cat Wrench, who, if you follow me on Letterboxd, you remember my... You'll recall that my, my review is a line from this where his plastic ass crack farts. That plastic ass crack that's sticking out of his fur. <laughs> it's like actually kind of eldritch horror. Again, it's, it's the best. It's the best. Yeah. Psychological horror kept my hat. <laughs> the guy in the sweater who asks all the obvious questions and the Cheshire cat from what I think is a direct parody of a sketch from Mr. Show about the super pan, mm. which unfortunately is not on YouTube anymore. Um, people who've seen that know what I mean. It's eerie. It's weird. It's a funny that the Cheshire cat is funny. I get that it's a punny name, right? Cause he's from Cheshire, England. Um, and I can, I can hear Mike trying so hard not to sound like Austin and therefore doing kind of a bad accent. Cause like he, yeah. that he, that, but it maybe it makes sense that the cat necessarily isn't the best at accents. I don't know, but I, it's so funny cause I was listening really hard and I was like, I can hear you trying not to sound like Austin powers right now. Cause that's kind of what his British is. is just Austin powers. <laughs> it's true nothing to add uh i thought that was martha stewart for like 20 years this is the i don't know if you realize this but 2023 is the 20th anniversary of this film by the way oh my god wow amazing 4k release when <laughs> yeah what we do need a 4k of this movie in hd <laughs> it's only so good i want to um, see those eyelashes in 4k uhd <laughs> qled whatever the fuck I want to see my own reflection in Sean Hayes's eyes. <laughs> yes. Um, the last character Mike plays is, please bear with me here, Zumzizuru Man, who is a hilarious question mark uh, Rastafarian cat, kind of making fun of like a white guy in dreads. I think. Mm-hmm, um, I agree. He's raising money. He's trying to distract Alec Baldwin to let the kids get away with the dog, and he's advocating for to stop the senseless wholesale slaughter of the fictional flatuating acid spitting Zumzizuru. Um, I thought that was one of the least amusing things I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Uh, there's a joke in there about, about this is, this is not my dog. This is my canine American. Yes. I'll hold your canine American. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike, what did you mean? Oh, we know what he meant. Because yeah, he says, like, I don't use the D word. I was like, oh, my God. Mike Myers. Amazing. Amazing. Mike Myers. That's my impression of Sean Hayes. Great. Yep. <laughs> Sean Hayes. Sean Hayes Can doing we this do weird voice so that he sounds different than the fish, I think. <laughs> maybe. Because he's playing both of them. And the fish is kind of just his normal voice. And again, I love Sean Hayes, a huge Will and Grace fan. I grew up loving Will and Grace as a kid. He, I think, one of the all-time great television characters ever as Jack in Will and Grace. Sean Hayes is great. Um, his, like... Hello, those kind of rounded, uh, whatever. Like, I can't even, I don't even know a line he says other than fired. It's, Honestly, I loved it. It's very, I mean, the thing is, if you're doing Seuss, like, be fucking weird, be fucking big, be, we, I, I don't know, like, it fits, it does fit a kind of Seussian thing to me. I thought that fish design was fucking terrible. Doesn't he kind of look like the book or or am I just am I have I seen that fish so much that I think that's what the book looks like? I they they tried to make it look real. No, th- that 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 just looks like a cartoon fish. It looks <laughs> yes. acceptable in the book. This is a they tried to make it look like a real fish. <laughs> He's very wet. He's very shiny all the time. He has giant disgusting eyes. There's like a sound effect of his little tiny fins slapping against the porcelain at one point. And it was really, it was, it was so detailed. I could not believe the level of detail that was going into the, his little fin slapping a teacup. I was going to check the character on the poster, but then the Wikipedia preview was so small. I was afraid of slightly touching my mouse on it to make it like gigantic, which would have given me a panic attack. (laughs) That's how I feel about it. Um, Spencer Breslin and Dakota Fanning are the kids. That's kind of the end of that beginning and end. I like them as, I think they're good kid actors. They're good. They're very good. Listen, the whole thing is about just like the Grinch. The whole thing is about the kid. So, but yeah, I like the kids. I think they do a really good job. I think they're really cute. I think that like, I don't know. And I think that Mike, I know that Mike was miserable, but I think that they all play well off, off of each other. Uh, there was a moment that Rachel made fun of me because I was like, I rewound it to be like, I love this little acting moment. It was when, um, when they, re- they think that Alec Baldwin's gotten away and they don't know what to do. And uh, Conrad is putting together how to get the things to help them. And I loved watching like him figure it out as- and then watching the cat in the background be proud that he's figuring it out. Like, it seems like Mike and the kids played off of each other really well. Uh, and I, I don't know. I hope they had a good time <laughs> on the set, but sounds like maybe not. Get away from me, children. Where's my chocolate? Where's my chocolate, baby? I'm Austin Powers. <laughs> Bring me my Tupperware chocolate, baby. Yeah. There's the bastard. Meaning my Tupperware chocolate. I don't know. There's the bastard. It's his assistant That's holding the Tupperware <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> There's the bastard. <laughs> It's just this sad, unpaid intern <laughs> holding fucking Godiva for fucking Mike Myers. <laughs> That's got to be, you know, I I've, need... I've done and seen a lot of things, right? Oh, at like fuck. a low level, right? I've seen some obliterated movie theater bathrooms, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Yes. But let me tell you that the Mike Myers chocolate guy. Look, if you're listening to this podcast and you were Mike Myers' chocolate guy on the set of The Cat in the Hat. You have to know. 
I need to interview you. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, going down the castle a bit more. I do want to shout out the late, great Kelly Preston. Um, yes, in a wig that should be arrested and jailed. <laughs> yes. Um, she is sadly not with us anymore, but I adore her in movies like Sky High. And I think she's great mm-hmm. in this. I think she's one of the all-time movie MILFs in every movie she does. She's on my my MILFs of cinema list multiple times for a reason. And um, <laughs> she was just a wonderful actress, uh, gone way too soon. And this is a silly, dumb little movie, but I love seeing her in this because I just think she has such a light and a sparkle on screen that... Uh, it's always great to see. What am I going to add to that? That was perfect. <laughs> well, you can go to the next, uh, you can go to the elephant in the room, maybe. Um, I want to tell an Alec Baldwin story because uh, <laughs> I think this is the first time we're talking about him on the show and it's one of my favorite stories ever. Probably. Yeah. 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 Tell the story, please. Um, I love this story. Uh, I was one year invited to the New York uh, Film Critics Society, whatever awards, the New York Film Critics Circle. Mm-hmm. And it was 2020. It was weeks before the novel coronavirus uh, brought New York to a grinding halt and indeed the world. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So this was the one where the Irishman won, like Spike Lee introduced the Irishman, et cetera. And mm-hmm. uh, a whole bunch of other, like Quentin Tarantino was there and he was like a lumberjack. And I am there just trying to find my bearings, trying to kind of find my coworker at the time and, and figure out where we're going to sit, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, I feel a chill down my back. <laughs> a transphobe would describe it as like a Dementor entered the room. And I was just like, what the, f- what is this feeling? And I looked and just coming out of the step and repeat was Alec Baldwin. <laughs> a and I Dementor was like, oh, entered the no room. wonder, no wonder I feel like what a transphobe would describe as, as like a Dementor entered the room. I'm, I'm like. I'm not saying that in connection to current Alec Baldwin controversy. I'm sharing a funny story about his vibe at the award show. And he was there to introduce somebody and he left. Uh, He did not look engaged, frankly. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, he's a weird person to see in a movie now, right? Because loves Woody Allen. Even before. Yeah. I mean, even before the controversy that is currently happening that we do not need to get into at all. You all have Google and you can figure it out if you don't already know. Um, but you know, I mean, he was also embroiled in other controversies. Wasn't he the guy that called his daughter like a little pig or some shit? Like, do you remember that? Do you remember the voicemail? Oh, that's that it- terrible. I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's awful, but like comical and how silly like, it sounds like a 30 Rock storyline almost. Um, so he's just, I think he's, he's, you know, been a lot of controversies, but was this time 2003, when did 30 Rock start? Like, was this a time where he was unstoppable or was he still just sort of like a Baldwin around here? No, I mean, he was always the most popular and prominent Baldwin. Yes. This is just like, uh, uh, 30 Rock is like 2006. Mm, okay. So yeah, a little before that. Because I feel like he, 30 Rock you know, is when he got like to the height of his career, I feel like with the many, many Emmy awards he got from that. I get that. But I mean, like starting with he's in, he's in, obviously he's in Beetlejuice. He's in married to the mob. Mm. He's in talk radio, mm. great balls of fire, etc. He's in, um, he does that one scene in Glengarry Glen Ross. And then just a bunch of dramas in the nineties. Oh, okay. So I guess he was still pretty up on a high point of his career when he came into the cat. I mean, this is, this is, I would argue looking at his career here, he's in Pluto Nash in 2002 future episode. He's in Pearl Harbor. He's in. He's the voice of the guy in Cats and Dogs. 
the this is a the weird dog. part of his career. I was trying to yeah. sort of contextualize where he might be because I feel like it's hard to separate from from what he is now. But I was kind of curious what his life, what he was doing, I guess, in 2003. I mean, he's I don't had think a he's a weird career. I don't think he's bad in this. The thing is, I think Alec Baldwin has one of the most like immensely punchable faces. So he fits the character well because this character is just a dick and he's not in the book. You know, we kind of just need a villain that's right. not the this cat. Is like, and uh, yeah, this is like Christine Baranski in The Grinch, basically equivalent. <laughs> Except Christine Baranski. Boy, oh boy. She's an icon. She's a legend in that movie right. to me. Well, Alec Baldwin did the thing. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, the thing. I forgot to Christine talk about Baranski, that. Christine Baranski, my Grinch King, Queen. <laughs> 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 my I don't know what I'm saying. Um, this is the weirdest podcast on earth. Um, ba- 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 boo- boo. What were we talking about? Alec Baldwin? Yeah. We have to fill an hour. I said that we would fill an hour <laughs> with the cat in the hat talk. We can't. I have so many. I think he's. Gr- I think he's fine in this movie. I think that, like, you know, once we get into the Alec Baldwin storyline and the dog storyline that's where it's obviously getting away from the book right so it's a lot of this extraneous stuff that they're sort of adding to fill out the film to be a full hour and a half it's it's barely an hour it's it's like it's yeah like nose finish mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i think he's fine i think alec baldwin is fine he's never been an actor i particularly seek out and now he's like a weird piece of shit so it's like shrug the belly prosthetic they had him in can we talk about that? <laughs> um, I I saw the whale this week, <laughs> and uh, I just did they reuse say, the ba- the Baldwin prosthetic? No, they went with a different. I mean, they probably put Mike Myers in a bag, and that was the prosthetic for Brendan Fraser. But um, <laughs> I've seen some belly prosthetics this week. Is all I want to say. I thought that was hilarious, but no worse I thought than the than the rubber butt crack. No, it's it's not like it's not egregious, but I just thought it was very weird and funny. <laughs> we needed it so you knew he was a slob. I heard what you said. I'm not going to military school, Larry. Look, buddy. I know I'm not your dad. This is probably really strange for you, you know. Your neighbors dating your mom, but here's the thing, son. Come here. I don't like you either. But I'm gonna marry your mom. And if it was up to me, you'd be at military school today. Not going to military school. I think you're gonna love it. It's just like summer camp, except with brutal forced marches and soul-crushing discipline. And one more thing, it's Lawrence, you snot-nosed little son of a wonderful woman who I'm absolutely crazy about. Gosh, I love children. Oh, Joan, I didn't see you there. And I think the last person I really want to shout out, unless you know of somebody else in the cast, I really just want to shout out Amy Hill, who doesn't do a ton here as Mrs. Kwan, but uh, she's an actress who I love when she shows up, 51st Dates, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Amy Hill's just great. And uh, I do think she is, I love the design of Mrs. Kwan. Like, I love the sort of like old lady glasses with the purple hair and the jumpsuit. Like, I just love the the costume designing there. And uh, she's just consistently funny in the little bits that they give her and just kind of wanted to shout her out. Hell yeah. I like what I like when she goes up in the closet. I thought that was really fucking funny. <laughs> I like when she <laughs> I noticed this at the end when she wakes up, right? And she's like, the kids were, were perfect. Da, da, da. And then she's standing behind the kids. And then it's kind of a wide shot where the kids are the focus. But if you look in the background, she's falling asleep standing up. Uh, and then they cut in for that joke. But I thought that was very funny that she was just in the background doing that. Made me laugh. Mm-hmm. 
Can we maybe talk about the look and the feel of this film to just totally sure. do a, a 180? Yeah, why not? Okay. Now, this film was shot, I mentioned earlier, by the man called Chivo, which means goat in Spanish, Emmanuel Libeski. Let me read some of these films. First of all, he's returning from the birdcage. Hell yeah. Which, as you remember, has some really intricate, the opening shot is very intricate and it's beautifully yeah. photographed. Here are some more. Meet Joe Black, the Martin Brest film that everyone saw uh, because they bought a ticket, damn it. And uh, they were going to show the episode one trailer again afterward. So why not sit and watch the movie? E to Mama Tambien, Sleepy <gasps> Hollow, Ali, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, The Whoa. New World, Children of Men, The Tree of Life, Burn <gasps> After Reading, Gravity, what? Birdman, what? The Revenant, and eventual episode Amsterdam. Birdman? Just a handful. This guy's career is insane. Holy but doesn't shit. Birdman, doesn't it make so much sense that the guy who shot Birdman that way <laughs> did the cat in the hat like this? I think the movie looks good. I People call me crazy, but I also think, I chalk it up also to a production designer being the director because the production design is gorgeous. Like the 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 buildings, yes. the house, the 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 visual world building with the production design, I think is actually gorgeous. And I presumed it was probably because a production designer was the director and that might that might have been his forte. But it looks good. Yeah. Would you like to hear some of Bo Welch's production design credits? Oh, please. Yes. I was glancing at some and like freaking out. Bo Welch also returns to us from the birdcage. Yeah. Some amazing production design. Yes. The Lost Boys, The Color Purple, Beetlejuice, oh. Ghostbusters 2, Edward Scissorhands, Batman oh. Returns, some of the great production design <gasps> of all time in Batman Returns, Wild oh, Wild West, which is the one with the giant spider. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, Will Ferrell, Land of the Lost. Whoa. Um, also, also production design on current Austin Danger podcast favorite show, among many, uh, Schmigadoon. <gasps> Schmigadoon's great. Wow. Schmigadoon's great. And the production design is great. And also the Netflix series of unfortunate events. A few which, episodes of which he directed. Gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It was wow. It a very good show. It was a really good show. An amazing production designer. And honestly, I'm going to say it. DP insane on this film. <laughs> Director knows what things look like. <laughs> I think that this guy did well it's one of those things where like as a whole I, I would not call this like a perfect movie a masterpiece you know but the pieces involved with it are all pretty solid that's why i think it's not as bad as people say it is because the cast i think is you know solid i think mike's doing a great job and i think it looks good and it feels like really real like it's a it's you know i think that's the challenge that i think the grinch also succeeds in is these Susian worlds are so cartoonish, making them feel lived in. And this, I think, is more clean. I think Whoville has a more lived in feel in The Grinch. Right. But like, I think um, Anvil by design is much more clean. And it's kind of playing on this like 50s aesthetic of the the picket fences, you know, little little boxes on the hillside. Right. Um, but it's it also works. clean, ready for the cat in the hat to just dirty it up with his disgusting filth. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I I think the movie looks great. I really do, genuinely. Like, very high effort for what this looked like, which, by the way, they built Anvil for real. That yeah. block is a real-sized block. 
that house is theoretically, I don't know if they built the inside of the houses, but. But I love that you can tell when that camera is falling, you know, falling down the street. I love that you can tell that this is a real, these are real houses. Those are real lawns. Those people are really stepping in that fake grass. Like it, it's really, I like that you can tell that it was, there's a lot of effort put into the world here. And that's the word of the day is high effort. Yeah. Insane. Mackenzie, I want to share with you some of my, like, my notes in, for this movie are crazy. Same. Same. And I'm trying to only use that word in the most extreme circumstances. <laughs> Could you imagine picking up this script and having the cat in the hat open with the mom's boring desk job and Sean Hayes' staff meeting? What a life. You don't even <laughs> see the cat. I loved the studio logos, by the way. They seemed, mm. they felt unfinished to me. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie has this weird, weird, unfinished feel to it. Oh, the dude who Sean Hayes obnoxiously fires looks just like Pete Holmes. I thought that oh. was weird. Oh. They live on Lip Lapper Lane. Good Lord. Clint Howard cameo in this film. Yes. Noticed him. Noticed him. Which is a link. His name, his character name is credited. He's named Kate. That's right. They call Kate him Kate. Kate the Caterer. The Kate the Caterer. Love it. We love a gender neutral note. usage of Kate. <laughs> All of this adult dialogue is insane. What are we doing here? You know what I mean? <laughs> Loved, loved the fruit hat dancer cat. There are all these other cat personas that we skipped uh, that mm. are more like one joke, like tennis player cat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's something. When Alec Baldwin enters the house, the cat gets on the ceiling like some kind of demon spider. It's really and scary they, looking. Any like at that point, he had already jumped on the couch, which they they did this thing where they they had him in like a baby buggy, basically, and they bounced him up and down, I think. OK, uh, just looks terrible. It's done <laughs> to make it look affected. But like, fuck, it's so scary. And the implications of like the cat, the hat could be skin of rink. We don't know. We don't know. Look at him up in the corner like like uh, Aunt May's come into the bedroom when he hasn't taken off his Spider-Man costume yet. <laughs> Terrifying implications of the cat in the hat powers. Honestly, yeah. Wow, I didn't think about that. I heard a little Dr. Evil all over the place. I heard a little Austin mm. Powers all over the place. Mm-hmm. I loved the cat, like the reveal of the cat as the pinata. There are things like that. Like, fuck. Like, these people knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> I wrote busiest score of all time. Mm-hmm. There had to be a note, like an executive producer note, right? Like kids like slime. This is my last popcorn note. <laughs> there had to be That's... some kind of like, oh, the kids love it when let's slime Alec. Let's get Alec covered in slime. What was he, what was on him? Because it was like the string that it would create was so massive. I was just like, what is, what did they cover him in? The cleansing acid of the cat in the hat. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the thing one and thing two have quite sizable fangs. and The fangs bear poison. We didn't mention it, but the thing's voiced oh, yeah. by thing one the thing two? very famous voice actor who plays Homer among other characters on The Simpsons. That's right. Dan Castellaneta. Wild. What a weird, just weird. Why? Why? Their little voices are so creepy. 
especially when they're being the cops there was a part where one of them is like police brutality like it's like they're like it's literally the little and there's a similar joke in shrek too a similar police brutality joke in shrek too what the fuck <laughs> what's what going on in going kids on? movies <laughs> i don't know and Shrek 2 is only the year after this, so... Shrek 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time. Spoiler alert. I haven't seen Shrek 2 in almost 20 years. Fuck me, that movie rocks <laughs> so much. I... <laughs> I'll never know. We have to do Shrek first, and that's just not happening, so... That's true, that's true, that's true. That's true. I'm going to throw it to you, Mackenzie, because I feel right. like your notes, there are a lot of quotes, there are a lot of, like, fun... I mean, ninety percent. So a lot of my a lot of my notes have already I've already stated. So I won't I won't restate anything I've already said. But like ninety percent of my notes are just quotes that did make me laugh. Um, the the first one I wrote was these drapes are a train wreck. I just kind of loved whenever <laughs> he did, and I know it's probably offensive, but I did think it was funny whenever he did the sort of like gay affectation of the cat uh when it was like i loved my favorite one was the dress where it was like oh it was a disaster before she bought it like that one like i just again probably mildly offensive but it's 2023 this is the cat in the hat i don't give a shit uh there is a (laughs) we get a cross stitch of that that's too good it's 2023 it's the cat in the hat i don't give a shit i don't give a shit i wrote who is this dreadfully uncomfortable woman because i thought that was very funny immediately followed by one of the most classic jokes ever you paid this woman to sit on babies that's disgusting a there oh is a God. there is a four note run that I read to you that I would like to read to the audience to show how chaotic my notes were. These are as written in my notes. Point one, the cat and drag dot 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 dot. She's surfing. <laughs> next, next note, gay fish. That's all I wrote. <laughs> next note, the ass crack. That's all I wrote. And then the next note is that man parenthesis Baldwin pure evil. So you know those were what my Nailed notes it. looked like for this episode. Uh, Rachel gasped when he cut off his own tail, and I just wanted to dox her on the podcast because <laughs> I thought that was funny that Rachel gasped like we were watching an actual horror film. I loved oh I loved the hang in there baby. I thought that was very funny. The hang in there baby, maybe my favorite joke. Uh, oh my cod I thought was very funny oh my cod felt like it was there to be in the trailer do you know what I mean Scooby-Doo has a bunch of those yes what the fuck is that (laughs) I have again maybe possibly offensive but the way it was delivered was so weird of look I'm a girl so good Uh, made me laugh I don't want to be right (laughs) that's wrong I do love uh, cat the couch the clean one or the horribly stained one that did make me laugh. Um, <laughs> the the piano bit where he says it involves murder. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 I'm happy that that, that was... is one of the many gifs of Cat in the Hat that exists. Yes, the, including the entire reveal of the ass crack. <laughs> Thank the God. Entire thing. Um, again, maybe my favorite quote is "All right, Nebbins, time to die." However, the hell he says that. Um, I laughed my ass off at that. The easy like Sunday morning moment when okay, cat gets I saw that hit in my in the notes. N- <laughs> when cat gets hit in the nuts and then sees himself question mark in drag <laughs> swinging a swing to easy like Sunday morning. It's I don't know, but it made me laugh really hard. What is that? Is that a reference to something? 
you know, no idea. It's one of these suggestive jokes. I don't understand what Kat's getting at with some of these. I don't either. Another great quote. Someone from Czechoslovakia is a Czech. Uh, and then I think also one of the best lines in the movie is Rhode Island license plate. You never see those. <laughs> really just a great line. Um and I think that's my last like qu- line, my last quote that I will say. But the last two notes I have is Paris Hilton cameo. We yes, talk about the fact the that rave. they go to a rave and then Paris Hilton is just there, kind of flirting with the cat. So what do you think that was? Was that a re- was that like a nod to the cat in the hat hat being popular in rave culture? Might have been that. In the late nineties, the cat in the hat hat was very popular for rave culture. It might have been that. And I mean, Paris Hilton was also like very popular at this time. So she was also probably just a huge cameo to get. Yeah, maybe. So I think it was maybe a reference to the rave culture. And then like maybe she was just a big get because she was really huge in 2003. It feels like a spiritual successor to the Britney Spears dance off. Yeah. Slash Pepsi commercial. Mm hmm. Uh, Universal Studios joke was very funny to me. Kev. Yes. What are your final thoughts on The Cat in the Hat and your rating, please? I must know. I enjoyed it a lot more now because whatever. Like, whatever. Who cares? It's The Cat in the Hat. It's Austin Danger Podcast. Three stars. Why not? I had more fun than I didn't have fun. I'm not going to teach this thing in film school or anything. But uh, I don't know. I had fun. I I can't believe it. That's what it's about, baby. I yeah, I, I am at the same boat, actually. I watched a few months ago. I intentionally didn't rate it because I knew we were going to watch it, but I did put a fat heart. I put a little like next to my log a few months ago to give people a hint of how I might feel about this movie. And The Cat in the Hat, more than m- most movies, is a, like one of the most solid three stars, and for me, a fat heart next to it. Like Genuinely, like I more often than not find the movie to be very funny and entertaining, if not misguided and a little silly for what it was supposed to be for what it is and what it ended up being. Um, it makes me laugh. I thought it was funny. I cannot deny that. I love Mike. Mike's doing his best shit. I had a good time. I, yeah, I'm also three stars, but I want to specify a little like right there next to it. It's true. Big red beating heart or orange. Mm-hmm. Is it orange? Orange. It's orange. Yes. Well, there you go. There All right, go. it's time to do our little show. Are you ready? Let's do it. I can't believe I, I can't believe this episode is still going. All right. I love gold. gold. As you can imagine, Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat, directed by Bo Welch, maybe not a favorite for the Academy. What? Shocking, I know. But I'll tell you what they did win. Worst film at the Dallas Fort Worth Film Critics Association Awards. <gasps> okay. <laughs> okay um razzie award mike myers is nominated for the worst actor of the decade fuck me what it was only three years into the decade five years before that it was the worst it was nominated for worst comedy of the first 25 years of the razzies and and in its original competition year of 2004 it won a category called worst excuse for an actual movie all concepts, no content. Oh my God. It was also nominated for 
uh, worst picture, worst actor, worst supporting actor. Kelly Preston for supporting actress, which is just not true. Disagree. Uh, Alec Baldwin, I'll take, but okay. Worst screen couple, Mike Myers and The Things. Bo Welch, worst director, and the guys from The Grinch who were screenplay. So great Dis- job. Disagree uh, with Bo Welch as well. I think he did a fine job. Foolish. The Stinkers Bad Movie Awards likewise <laughs> awarded Alec Burke, David Mandel, and Jeff Schaefer the award for worst screenplay for a film grossing more than a hundred million using Hollywood math. Whoa. Also, worst picture and worst and most annoying non-human character, which by 2003 I can believe that category existing without this film. <laughs> um, Spencer Breslin also won. This is so bad. Like Talk about now the stinkers I don't think exists anymore, but if you remember the Razzies recently nominated the girl from Firestarter and got in trouble. Yeah, because it's a well, child. What if they tried this today? Spencer Breslin won the Spencer Breslin Award for Worst Performance by a Child. That's <laughs> fucked. He is fine in this movie, and he is also a child. Fubar. Absolutely. Is he re- is he related to Abigail Breslin? I'm sure. You know, I have no idea. How many Breslins can there be, truly? How many Breslins can there be? The Stinker's Bad Movie Awards just seems like somebody saw the Razzies and then missed the entire, like, any kind of thing that was funny about the Razzies is squeezed to death. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's fun. Uh, So yeah, people had a really great time hating the cat in the hat because in 2003, that's what you did on the internet. You just shat on everything and then you kept that opinion for 20 years. Yep. That's what you did. Now it's time for the Alan Parsons Project, the quotational segment of our show where, (laughs) whatever that means, where I give you the links, some of the many links that bring the Austin Powers trilogy to our film, The Cat in the Hat. Obviously, Mike Myers and Clint Howard are in the movie. You can see them. Also, Mm -hmm. the actor Stephen Hebert appears in International Man of Mystery as guard at jail cell and as Jim McFinnigan in The Cat in the Hat. All right. Jim McFinnigan. There you go. That he might be also the guy appears, that gets fired in the beginning. The guy who kind of looks like Pete Holmes, right? That's yeah, what I, I, think, I think it might be him. He plays one of the most iconic masked characters in film. In Pulp Fiction, he plays the Gimp. Um, <gasps> Whoa. I've never seen Pulp Fiction. Fuck. Okay. Forgot I, forgot I said that. Don't I know that there it. is. I've heard of the Gimp, I, but yes, I, I've never seen the movie. There's also some familiar faces. Malcolm McNabb returns. Malcolm McNabb is oh, here so king, much. King, king. He is the best, okay? Trumpet player who works on so many films. Some of them are Finding Dory, Valiant, which I think is, oh, no, I don't even know what that is. Ugh. Uh, and uh, Jurassic World. How exciting. Won't that be lovely? Hell yeah. Also, the makeup department, Gary Archer. Art department, Gabriel Hardman. I'll pull one more. Smash Mouth. The because band? they do Smash Mouth does the mid to low uh grade getting better cover. Oh, I was wondering what what why that was there. Yeah. We know what movie Smash Mouth connects us to. Rat Race. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Somebody. Yeah, Rat Race. They do all start at the end of Rat Race. <laughs> 
The last name I want to call out, of course, is the guitarist Joe Daring, who continues to appear on things. He uh, His most recent credit is mentioned on this show, A Man Called Otto with Tom Hanks. Oh. So that's on the wheel. And also that fucking horrible Beauty and the Beast 30th anniversary garbage that I turned off 30 seconds in because the baker missed his cue. And they aired it. Those are but some of the links. There were a lot in this episode, which kind of makes sense because Universal... Uh, Mm -hmm. big studio comedy with Mike Myers in it in 2003. Mm -hmm. A lot of makeup people for the cat suit. You know how it is. (laughs) So that's it. Thank you all to everyone who worked on both films or, or all four, some of them. Thank you. There you are. You're over there. We have three U's over there. Amazing. Can you believe people showed up? The first is from Alex who said, Hey, there you are. Hello, Austin Danger Podcast. A few months ago, around the holidays of 2022, I watched all three Austin Powers in one week for the first time in maybe 10 years. I was really stoned and had a great time. Following that, I started following the pod and consuming all things Austin Powers, but mostly just listening to the pod. Thank you for listening, Alex. Thank you. Fast forward to Super Bowl Sunday. I'm out grocery shopping in the morning, hoping to avoid the Eagles fans in my area. An older woman stopped me as I was passing the Cheez-Its, my favorite snack, section. She says something along the lines of, Hi, I've seen you here the past couple weeks. I thought you recognized me. Without missing a beat, I go into full Austin Powers impersonator and did my best, Hey, there you are, you're there, and carried on my way (laughs) with my Cheez-Its and never looked back. I have not run into that woman again, but if I do, I'm going to throw another AP impression at her. Let me know if you want additional updates. Namaste, Alex. Oh, my God. What a letter. Thank you. I do want updates. We do want updates. You really were there. You were there. You were there. Thank you for writing in and letting us know. I absolutely want updates on this old woman. Um, Our second... A letter voicemail is from our dear friend Jaysha from the Podzilla Pod, who are having a huge kind of revamp of the pod because they are entering the next era of Podzilla, of Godzilla content. Um, So if you haven't checked out Podzilla yet, this is a perfect time to do so because they have this great jumping in point. And uh, Jaysha just says, you guys rock. Currently working on the road, so apologies for the bad audio quality. No worries. Let's see what Jaysha has to say. ADP, it's Jaysha here. I used to be quite the coloring competition whiz when I was a kid in 2003. Was that when Cat in the Hat came out? Mm-hmm. But I, I won a coloring competition for this movie and I got gifted like a whole lot of swag. I had a Cat in the Hat branded Whoa. t-shirt, a Cat <gasps> in the Hat branded like baseball cap, a Cat <gasps> in the Hat branded frisbee that oh. I was throwing around in the backyard. And I also won tickets to go to like a New Zealand preview screening of the cat in the hat with my dad oh my god and i remember like just being kitted out with this cat in the hat memorabilia (laughs) uh, rocking up to the theaters watching this movie with my dad and then straight after watching it he just took it all off me and i never saw it again and he he was just um (laughs) i don't know i think he was quite a um, taken aback with the amount of like innuendos <laughs> in the movie and I think he thought that the content probably wasn't the best for kids um mm-hmm. so you know I haven't watched it since then and I don't actually know whether or not it probably was great for kids to be watching so just wanted to ask you guys a question 
what do you think of all the jokes? And do you think that they should be in a kid's film? And do you think that that frisbee was rightfully taken off me? You know, I gotta say, we did not mention the fact that Kat enters the home, finds a photo of their mom, calls her hot, and then his tail and hat become (laughs) erect. You know, we did not mention I that. Have to say, I have to say it's one of the great jokes I've ever seen in my life. But here's the question. Here's the question. Who is that for? Exactly. I think... I, yeah. I mean, I'm 30 years old and, you know, I laughed at it. But that's because that's fucking insane. It's so... That's you craziness. Cannot believe that it's in the movie that's the thing is so jay should answer your question so many of these jokes are inappropriate for children in terms of there's yeah there's a couple ones that have some sexual content like that or like the dirty hoe joke but also a lot of them just feel like references kids would not get like why would kids understand qvc you know what i mean or even like when he impersonates the cowardly lion like what like who would give i don't know if that's for children yeah, I'm. I'm. I just was left wondering who it was for because I thought that stuff was pretty funny, but I'm yes. unhinged. So yeah, it's yeah. like no wonder. But half of the half of the funny for me was the the fact that no child could ever find this entertaining, including me. It's it is it is so not a children's movie. I think it is fully only enjoyable as like an adult who likes weird shit, like you and me, because we are both adults who like weird shit. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. There we go. Thank you for the letter. Um, maybe rightfully taken off of you, but I wish I could see a photo of little Jasher covered in cat in the hat memorabilia. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see like how Mike Myers is presented on the Frisbee. <laughs> I do too. I'm going to find can it. We, before we, before we fully get off of this, can we, mm-hmm. can I talk about the letterbox banner for the cat in the hat? Please. Which is yeah. a terrifyingly hideous close up of just the cat's eyes. And I feel like I, I'm mocked by God every time I open the letterbox and get scared by that stupid photo. The eyelashes are really intense on Cat. We should try to find a screen grab and, and formally make a suggestion to pretty it up a little bit so someone can put it there in their letterbox top four and see it <laughs> on their profile. I love it. Well, we have one final voicemail from our friend J. Char Pomps said... Thanks for all you do. Looking forward to the app. And apparently there will be a link reference in the voicemail. So let us see what this voicemail says. Hello, Kev and Mackenzie. JHR Pomps here. And uh, the day has finally arrived. It's finally happening. The Cat in the Hat starring Mike Myers. Wow. How do you keep this under 90 seconds? I don't know, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, I saw this movie nine times in theaters as a kid. I was completely enamored with it. I think it was the first movie I saw starring Mike Myers outside of Austin Powers. So I just fell in love with it. Super quotable. The innuendos were perfect. Um, Super hydraulic instantaneous transport. I mean, man, how do you get away with that? You know, oh, yeah, the car is called shit. Um, Some really funny things I remember as a kid from watching this movie the Universal Studios tickets, product placement, hilarious. Um, and the random Paris Hilton cameo in the club <laughs> was just amazing. Um, and that begs a question. Do you have a favorite movie with a random celebrity cameo? I'm curious mm. to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, I watched this movie a couple, rewatched a couple years ago. 
And I had this wild realization that a lot of this movie is symbolic of the Bible in a way. So I wrote a Reddit page about it. It got some great feedback and uh, I'll share it with you. But if anyone's interested in looking it up, just look up Cat in the Hat 2003 Symbolic of the Bible on Reddit and you'll you'll find it. Um, I was not under the influence of anything when I wrote it. And uh, I don't entirely uh, believe it was the director's intention, but it's a fun read and it makes some wild sense. Anyway, uh, what a great film. This is my taxi driver. Uh, Mike Myers is my hero. Uh, this is cinema, truly. Anyway, thank you guys for all you do and we'll catch you on the next one. Whoa. Thank you. That was amazing. Can I say I love hearing from someone who loves the cat in the hat. That made me so happy. And I'll say I I am so excited to dive into this link. Everyone, if you want to check it out, I will link it in the show notes, the Reddit page of the cat in the hat as a symbol for the Bible. Totally link it. Check it out. Uh, that is amazing. Thank you for that voicemail. What a delight. I love it. So good. Uh, and yes, the car is named shit. There's a car. I love the car. We didn't get to the car. The car is amazing. The car is called shit. I, what more can I say? So to his question, what is your, do you have a favorite, like a random cameo in a movie? Your favorite random, random cameo? Um, it is the ending of rat race, which I have already spoiled elsewhere on this pod. A gimp. The ending of Rat Race is incredible. If you're I'm, like living in today watching it. I'm looking at a list because I'm so bad at remembering things and just being like, okay, is there something that's leaving out to me? And I will um, say uh, David Bowie in Zoolander. Sure. Maybe one of the all-time great celebrity cameos in a movie. Oh, uh, Abdul-Jabbar in Airplane is hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh gosh, Kate Blanchett was in Hot Fuzz. I forgot. That's a random. Real Yankovic and the Naked Gun. <laughs> oh my gosh, what? <gasps> Glenn Close and Hook. Do you remember Glenn Close? No, in like I don't. full. She's in full drag as like the pirate guy that like Hook kills or something in the beginning. When are we doing Hook? When are we doing Hook? Is the real answer? Is the real question? But um, we are not doing Hook, but. We are going to do something next week that we will roll with momentarily ah, because it could first, be Hook. It could be Hook. But first, I do want to tell you, if you want to be over there like our friends this week about the cat in the hat, you could talk about the cat in the hat. You could talk about Austin. You could talk about whatever we're rolling for next week. You can send your emails and voicemails, preferably under 90 seconds, to austindangerpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. And remember, hold your Hook takes until we do Hook. You don't <laughs> want to hear about Hook until it's time. You can email us about is. anything you want except for Hook. That's right. We're going to save, shore them up like a dam, like a levee of some kind. <laughs> Speaking of a dam, damn, it's time to spin the wheel. The wheel has gotten longer. I was trying to find the, how long we're at. We're at 569. We're working on it. We're working on it. It's a, it's a massively, constantly expanding wheel. All right. I have the wheel ready. My hands are touching it. I'm ready to spin. Are you ready, Kev? Uh, well, it's only up from here, so. Who knows? What if what if you just jinxed us? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. This is a movie that connects a bit to a journey we took last year. 
So, you know, okay. we went on the Mike Myers jury. We, we just did a movie, right, that kind of connected to that. But one of our other big journeys, other than Screamtober, other than Pentaveret, was the road to Elvis. Our King Bass has only made a certain amount of films, but they are all on the wheel. And I just rolled his debut feature. Oh, great. Strictly Ballroom. The Bogo Pogo. It's time to do the Bogo Pogo because we're watching yes. Strictly Ballroom. Oh my God. Perfect movie. Perfect movie. <laughs> spoiler alert for next week. Amazing. Oh, spoiler for next week. We love it. We love this movie. This is gonna, That's going to be a very fun episode to talk about. And I know that Strictly Ballroom, I'm saying this to everyone right now who's listening. It is, I feel like, one of his lesser seen films. I think it's an underseen Baz movie. And I recommend if you are sitting here listening to this and you've not seen it, absolutely seek Strictly Ballroom out. If it's so fun. Even if you didn't think Elvis was your thing, you might still really like Strictly Ballroom. It's a very different vibe. Yeah. Also, if people, I don't know, if you're a Star Trek fan, if you're weird like me, Strictly Ballroom is currently available to stream on Paramount Plus as of this recording. So <sighs> wow, your excuses are running out. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a good one. So that's next week. Very exciting. We're beginning a new kind of journey. Of course, last year you all joined us for Elvis and now we're going back to where it all started with Strictly Ballroom. I just, I'm so excited. Please try to watch it. It's really great. You will not regret it. But before we depart today and we send you on your way, I would like to read from the Bible, Genesis chapter nine. God said, this is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between you, me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will Austin Danger podcast cover the cat in the hat. <laughs> Next week, Boz Lerman, Strictly Ballroom. But until then, for Mackenzie, this is Kev. Austin Danger Podcast, peace! If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.